Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. We're so thankful to the Lord for each and every one of you for being able to come out, those that are able to be here with us here in the studio audience, and we thank the Lord for each and every one of you that's tuning in uh, via technology. We definitely salute our uh, sister churches in Kenya. Uh, we're asking for prayer for uh, Bishop Ogoa as he has suffered an injury and is in the hospital there uh, and recovering, and um, he's actually in need of our help financially to kind of take care of the medical bills. They, they're a little bit different there than they are here in America. Uh, in America, we go to the hospital and we have insurances and um, we get medical care and we just leave. Um, and those that don't have insurance still get medical care and then they leave. It's a little bit different. Sometimes we get spoiled here in America and we just think it's like, uh, you know, this the same way in every place that we find ourselves and that's just simply not true. There, you have to, you, you know, you'll get the medical care if you're injured, but you have to pay before you leave. Or they hold you there until you can pay, while at the same time compounding what you owe. So I'm asking uh, for those of you that can and will, please help us be a blessing to them and to help them, uh, Bishop Ogoa there uh, in Kenya. Right now, the bill is only $270. And if we can put $270 together and send it to them, uh, he'll be able to get out, pay that bill, not have that over, over his head. Uh, so we're asking for your help in that regard. You can send it to GMFC through our donation process and you can earmark it specifically for that. And all of that money that is sent for in that regard will go to helping uh, Bishop Ogoa and the ministry there. We also salute our uh, friend, Pastor Majero. Uh, we know that he is doing a good work there. We thank the Lord for him. Uh, we're excited about what God is doing there in the building of the ministry in Kenya. And we're asking that you continue to keep uh, both of those ministries, as well as the move of God in that nation, um, you know, really flourishing. There are a lot of things that go on there that are difficult. Even some of the basic things, just like eating food. So they're not only ministering to the spiritual needs of people, but they're also ministering to the physical needs. And everything that we can do to be a blessing, whether it's prayer, or financial support. We ask that you take it before the Lord and as the Lord directs your heart, so let it be. And we thank you in advance for the prayers and we thank you in, the, in, in advance for the financial support. We salute each and every one that is part of Grace and Mercy Fellowship Center. We thank the Lord for each and every one of you. We ask for continued prayer for uh, the members of this ministry. Uh, my mother is uh, under the weather, as they say right now, and we're asking that you would pray for her, Lady Maria, that you would minister uh, God's healing power through your prayer uh, over her life. Call her name out before the Lord. We're believing and standing that she will, standing upon God's word, that she is well and in good health in her body, prospering even as her soul prospers in the Lord, for this is what the word of the Lord declares. So we're believing it in uh, her stead. We're standing in the gap for her. 
We thank the Lord for the miracle that he has worked in Deaconess uh, uh, Cynthia's life, Deacon Cynthia's life, how God has blessed her, uh, prospered her in her body, and allowed her to recover in her um, knee surgery. So we're asking that you would continue to pray for her to be a blessing, that the Lord would be a blessing to her and continue to bring healing into her body. She's kind of overdid it a little bit. We start feeling good and we think that we're 100% and maybe we're just not quite there yet. And she's pushed herself a little bit and she's paying for it as they say today. So we're asking that you continue to pray for her rapid recovery and healing. In the name of Jesus. And we are also believing, according to God's word, that she also is prospering, even in her body, even as her soul is prospering in the Lord. And we're just thankful for God's already worked miracle in them. This past week, we had the opportunity to celebrate, and I say celebrate because it could have been a total different type of uh, remembrance. October the 20th was one year that my youngest son was involved in a motorcycle accident. When we got the word, the doctors weren't sure if he was going to make it. The call came in if they didn't do emergency surgery on his brain by removing his skull because of the swelling that had um, come about because of the accident and the impact, even while wearing a helmet that his head uh, did to the ground, that he may not pull through. And we're so thankful to God that God not only brought him out, but he is just as he was before the surgery, before the accident. You can barely tell that there was an accident at all. And we're thankful to the Lord. While he'll have the scars to remember, we are just thankful one year later, our son is pretty much 100%. And we know that that was nothing but the grace of God. And my wife took some time and she uh, made for him uh, one of those books that has all the pictures and the sayings and it shares with him all the prayers and all the text messaging that was going back and forth and things for him to remember so that when he begins to question whether or not God loves him or God is real, that book would be a reminder to him, and I celebrate her and salute her for thinking of doing such a thing, because God knows I would never have thought of doing something like that. But I thank the Lord for her and the love and the dedication that she shows to our children. It's important that we never forget the things that God does for us, the ways that he makes, the doors that, he's, that he opens, and so often there are things that are transpiring around us that we don't even know about. Yet God is faithful to us. So I encourage you, no matter what trauma or crisis you may be in, God is able. One of the members of GMFC came into the studio today, Amy Greger, with a beautiful shirt that says, He can. And we know that that's exactly the truth about God. He can and He will because he is God. I th just thank the Lord. Again, I just want to encourage you. Uh, you've heard me say the last couple Sundays, we've been talking about um, Operation Christmas Child, uh, the ability to minister God's grace and love across the world through this program. 
and uh, it's just sending shoeboxes through the Billy Graham Ministries um, Samaritan's Purse around the world to people that are less fortunate than we are. And you pack these shoe boxes with uh, some toys and um, you know, supplies, necessities, things that people need, uh, just even the things that we take for granted day by day, toothbrush, things of this nature, pencils, things that they can share with one another. And the most important thing that you can put in that box is a letter, a picture that people might understand they're not as alone as they feel and share with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're asking and encouraging those that can and will to please take part with us in this uh, program, Operation Christmas Child through Samaritan's Purse. If you're local here in Columbus, Ohio or near Columbus and you would like to donate, uh, reach out to us and we will help you in donating a shoebox. If you're not near us and you want to take part, we ask that you help us with paying for the postage for each box. Each box postage is $10. So it takes $10 to send the box. So we're asking those of you that can and will, if you can't uh, do a box, we ask that you donate a uh, $10 donation to cover the shipping costs of a box so that we can invest in the things that God is doing to show the world that he cares for them. We are his ambassadors of love in the earth. So I encourage you, uh, whatever you can do to take part in this, please do so. We have some exciting things that are coming up. We just want to um, you know, share. We have a um, discussion about Christmas that will be released over the next three to four weeks. And it'll be a, a comprehensive discussion talking about the origins of Christmas and whether believers should buy into Christmas as it is today. And we'll, we'll talk about that in depth. I encourage you to, when you see it, it'll be uh, you know, a Christmas discussion from the desk of Bishop Lyseth. When you see that come out, take some time. It'll probably be lengthy, so I'm, I'm warning you now. It'll probably be lengthy because I want to cover everything so that you have the ability, the information necessary to make an informed spiritual decision about what you will and what you will not do and allow in your own home. But I encourage you to take the time to at least watch it, study it, challenge it with the word of God, see if what is being said is true, and then follow through with the truth that you find. It'll be coming out, so we'll be looking for that, um, a Christmas discussion from the desk of Bishop Lyseth that will be hitting uh, the um, Facebook and uh, our YouTube channel and our Roku channel here over the next three to four weeks, so we'll be looking for that. And we have great many other things that are still coming. We're still working with um, uh, two guests, getting them here to uh, finish out this year's season of Coffee with the Bishop I think that we've had great discussions and we've shared a wonderful uh, bounty of ideas and perceptions and thoughts through these programs. And we encourage you, if you have ideas or if you'd like to be involved or to uh, support in any way or maybe see new things come out, reach out to us. Reach out to us. Just email, call, whatever it is that you can do to share your ideas with us. 
And I promise you, we will take it and give it value and, and do what we can to bring about these things for the glory of the Lord. Well, let's get to the word of God today. And I thank you again for your listening ear to this point. Because there's something necessary that you need to understand about the power of God's resurrection. Really, the connection of the resurrection to your restoration so if we would give this sermon a title today, the title would be The Resurrection is Essential to My Restoration. The Resurrection is Essential to My, resurrect, to my Restoration. And I, I want to break down the resurrection in a couple of different key parts. And one is going to be the principle of the resurrection, and the second will be the reality of the resurrection. A lot of people... Uh, say varying things about the resurrection whether it's the resurrection of Jesus or the resurrection that um, we're going to be involved in or the one that is to come last week I, I focused upon the 12 items that were related to the old creation so if you didn't get a chance to watch that please watch that sermon it's important the first of those 12 things was the angelic life but today I feel the need to point out that those angels who did not fall were not included in the old creation. Though at one time they were under the leadership of Lucifer prior to his fall, who was the former head of all the angels, they never followed him in his rebellion. We understand scripture declares that only one third of the angelic host followed him in his rebellion. Two thirds remained faithful to God. So the two-thirds are separate from the one-third. They're separate from the old creation. Only the rebellious angels who followed Satan became a part of the old creation. The angelic life as the first of the 12 negative items of the old creation does not include the angels who remained faithful to God, only those who rebelled against God. The fallen angels after they rebelled are the ones that became the rulers and the authorities and the world rulers and spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places, which we see in scripture, such as Ephesians 6 and 12 or Colossians 2 and 15. The evil spirits that are mentioned in Ephesians 6 are the fallen angels. And the majority of the angels who did not rebel were not included in that old creation which was brought to an end by the power of the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now with that being said, among the human race, there is no such exception or separation of humans. We understand scripture and uh, believe what Jesus has declared that all of humanity fell into the rebellion of the devil. The rebellion of the human race began with the first man who we know is Adam and it includes every descendant of Adam. Now there are two groups of angels those who never rebelled and those who rebelled but as far as the human race is concerned there is only one group the fallen human race is represented by, in, and through Adam and is under the headship of Adam. So the whole human race through Adam is included in the fallen or old creation. 
Now, none of us can escape it. It is who we are by birth. You might as well accept it. You can argue it as much as you want. Your arguments will be not, for the word declares that we are all it from birth. For God's word says that we are born in what? Shaped in iniquity. This is just who we are. Satan, the leader of the rebellious angels, is included in the old creation as well. Now, Satan misused the authority that God gave him, and he utilized it so that he might form his own kingdom. Matthew 12 and 26 says this, And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom, underline that his kingdom, stand? So looking at this, we see that he has a kingdom, and that kingdom is recognized by God. According to Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, Ezekiel 28, 13 through 14, and Luke 4, 5 through 7, Satan was appointed by God in the very beginning as the head of the angels. And as such, he received certain authority from God. Now, the Lord Jesus, in his temptation in the wilderness, even recognized the authority that was given to Satan during Jesus' victorious challenge against the devil. He is our Savior, and he won this battle. Now, under uh, his rule, Satan forms a kingdom with a group of angels who also misuse their power and their authority. This is the spiritual world. This is, these are the things that we are affected by. Now, after man was created, Satan came to induce man to sin. And with sin in man, many fruits were reproduced. And those fruits are called sins. You see, every seed that's planted will reproduce exponentially after its own kind. So sin became sins. Now, following the fall... Satan then utilized all the necessities for man's existence, such as eating, clothing, marriage, housing, and things of this nature. These necessities had been created and they were ordained by God for man's existence, but Satan utilized them to systematize the whole human race to follow after his kingdom rule. Now, this satanic system or this systemization of things is called the world or the world system. Now, we have only one of two kingdoms to which we can belong. Hear me when I declare to you, there is no spiritual Switzerland or any place where you can declare any sense of neutrality. You lie to yourself if you think that there is. Now, due to sin, which births sins, the world, death, it all came into the human race. And because of the fall, Satan injected something of his own nature into the human body, which corrupted it, causing the human body to be transmuted into flesh. Another result of the fall is that man as a whole was changed and became the old man. In addition, man's soul under the threatening and the influence of the flesh became self. So the soul was originally created good, but through the fall, the soul becomes self, which is self-centered, self-focused, and self-indulgent. Now, Satan was the head of the angels, and Adam was the head of the rest of creation. 
But both representatives rebelled against God. And because of this, the whole creation was influenced and affected by their rebellion. Romans 8 and 20 through uh, 22, Colossians 1 and 20 tells us this. And because of it, all of creation needed to be reconciled through the power of uh, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. So the death of Jesus had to be all-inclusive, and it had to be in what the Bible refers to as the eternal spirit. Now, I want you to understand something. You won't see the eternal spirit uh, except one time in Scripture. And it's very important that we understand how and why it has been declared in Scripture. <clears throat> now, all of this that I've shown you make up what is the old creation that we talked about last week, those 12 elements, including fallen humanity, which really is at the center of it all. Now, all negative things of the whole universe were gathered together and concentrated in man. Satan, with his kingdom and worldly system, was in man, along with sin, which birthed sins, introduced death, brought about self, transmuted the creation into flesh, and was defined by the old man. So everything of the old creation, including all of the negative things of the universe, were centralized in our fallen humanity or our fallen nature. So we became everything opposite of the God we were created to express by visage into creation. We actually became the visage of sin, the devil, and death. Then Christ became incarnated in man. Christ put man on himself. Not small or simple in any way, but a man who was all-inclusive of the old creation. That every element of the old creation, the 12 items of the old creation that I, de that I identified for you last week are found in Christ. And this is why Christ was incarnated as man. Because as man, he was crucified on the cross in the form of a certain of a serpent but before the cross Christ was a man but on the cross he was a man in the form of a serpent Christ was made sin on the cross 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 declares for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him so when Jesus was on the cross God not only put all our sins upon him, but he also made him to be sin. God put all the iniquities and all the sins of the human race upon Jesus Christ on the cross. And at that time, he also made Christ to be sin in the form of Satan. So since all the negative things in the universe are now concentrated and centralized in our fallen nature, Christ came into this very nature and brought this nature to the cross. So when he brought this nature to the cross, he brought every negative thing of the universe with him to the cross. There is absolutely not one thing for which Jesus did not bring to the cross. 
So when he put this nature to an end on the cross in death, he also put the old creation to an end. All the 12 items that we talked about last week of the old creation were terminated by the all-inclusive death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And if we have a heavenly point of view and spiritual insight into the things of God, this point we should be jumping up and shouting hallelujah because all the things of the old creation are ended in Jesus. Now the last chapters of Ezekiel show us the building of God's house, God's temple. So if the whole picture were drawn on a piece of paper, we would discover that the altar, which is a type of the cross, is located in the center of the whole construction. Remember, the cross is the place where Jesus was sacrificed. The altar is the place where the sacrifice was brought. It's in the center of the entirety of the construction of the temple. Both the vertical and the horizontal measurements of the building itself pinpoint the altar at the center of God's temple. Now picture this in your mind's eye because this to me is very interesting because it portrays that the all-inclusive death of Christ which has brought the whole entire old creation to an end through the cross. So typically, the center of something indicates its core. So what the devil does not want you to realize is at your core is his end and your beginning in Christ, which destroys every working of the devil in you. Everything that the enemy wants to do in and through you is destroyed it's the core of who you are now in Christ this all-inclusive death of Jesus was you know accomplished by the eternal spirit now I want you to understand the scripture declares in Hebrews 9 and 14 how much more shall the blood of Christ who through hearing underline this the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So the all-inclusive death of Christ occurred where? In the eternal spirit. Now this term, the eternal spirit, is mentioned only once in scripture. So when Christ was incarnated in man, he became the very center of all of creation, which includes all of the negative things of the universe and when Christ brought this fallen man to death upon the cross, he did it in the eternal spirit. He ended this all-inclusive man in a spirit who is eternal, one who has no beginning and one who can never be ended. In other words, the death of Jesus Christ ended everything but the eternal spirit. So what does this mean for us? Well, I'm glad you were thinking that. You see, Christ brings every negative thing with him to the cross, and he ends it. It's ended at the cross. But he remains the same because he is in the eternal spirit. Though all things were ended on the cross, his spirit could never be ended. 
So it is by this spirit that Christ was resurrected. So Christ as a man brings all negative things to death and all things passed into death and were ended. Only the eternal spirit passed through death and remained. So it was in this eternal spirit and by this spirit that Christ was resurrected. Let's look at scripture. Romans, the first chapter in the fourth verse says this. The son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, out of the resurrection of the dead. So why is holiness still right? As we often hear the older saints say, what does holiness actually mean? And why does this scripture speak of the spirit of holiness instead of the Holy Spirit? Well, holiness is simply separation. That's all holiness is, is separation. Even though this eternal spirit went into death, he was and still is a spirit of separation. Death could end everything else, but death could not end the eternal spirit. So he is different and he's separate from all things. He is the spirit of holiness or the spirit of separation, proved by the power of the resurrection from the dead. So through the power of the resurrection of Jesus, humanity becomes a humanity of separation or better, has the ability to now choose to become separate like the spirit. So in like manner, all things went to the cross. Man, Satan, everything, sin, all that was caused by it, and all these things were put to an end. But only the eternal spirit who also went to the cross and into uh, dwelt with Christ could never be put to an end. So he is the spirit of separation. Death did everything it possibly could do, but death could not hold the eternal spirit. It is by this different spirit, this spirit of separation, that Christ was resurrected. Now, you ought to put in the comment section, I am different. I am separated. I am different. I am separated. When the enemy begins to bother you, you ought to remind him of this principle of the power of resurrection. I am different. I am separated. You can even tell the devil, like you tell some other folk, you're dead to me. You see, the power of the devil died at the cross. His power to govern you as ruler of your life died at the cross. It was ended. He was terminated. He was finished at the cross. So this brings about a reality of resurrection that is born through the eternality of the spirit. Romans 8 and 11 says this, if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. So who raised Jesus from the dead? It is that same spirit of separation. 
What spirit shall quicken our mortal bodies? It is that same spirit of resurrection who dwells in us. This means that the reality of resurrection and the principle of resurrection dwell in us. The principle of resurrection is the separation which is affected by the eternal spirit, the one who could never be terminated by death. This is alive in us. This spirit is working in us. And seeing that the principle of resurrection is in the eternal spirit of separation, we must ask where this spirit is today. And when you ask the question, you ought to say to yourself, hallelujah, that spirit is in me. And if that spirit is in me, this principle of resurrection then is also in us. My prayer is that the Lord open your eyes to see the principle of the cross and the principle of the resurrection, which is everything was ended by death and the eternal spirit now dwells in us. And when you see this, you will be able to become transcendent and you will scream hallelujah every time you open your mouth because there will no longer be a need for you to beg or to ask or even to cry. We only need to say hallelujah all the time because we've recognized that all things have been brought to an end in us. All things have been made new in us. John 11 and 25 tells us that Christ himself is the resurrection. You remember Martha, the sister of dead Lazarus? When Jesus showed up on the scene, she complained to him that the Lord came too late. It seemed to her that resurrection and life were a matter of time because her words were, if he had come earlier which is what she reasoned in her mind, her brother would not have died. But really, on the contrary, the Lord says to her, in effect, that it was not a matter of time or space. It's only a matter of Christ because he declared, I am the resurrection. Forget about time and space. Wherever Christ is and whenever Christ is, there is always resurrection. You ought to put in the comment section, if Christ be in me, then resurrection power is in me. If Christ be in me, then resurrection power is in me. Resurrection is not just something that is to come in the future. Resurrection is something that is working in me right now. It is alive and it's translating me from the power of sin. It is bringing sin to an end which uh, by death at the cross and I'm brought into the glorious liberty of life in Christ Jesus because I've been separated from death into life. Now this right here would be a praise break moment. You see, on the day of his resurrection when Christ came to his disciples, he did something peculiar. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now this very spirit whom they received included the principle and the reality of the power of his resurrection. You see, without this spirit, the disciples could have uh, had, had nothing to do with uh, his resurrection. 
So Christ's resurrection is this spirit. If we have this spirit, we have the reality of the resurrection. If we do not have this spirit, we have nothing to do with the power of resurrection. And this is why so many of us struggle. The resurrection is simply Christ himself and the principle and reality of his very resurrection alive in us through the eternal spirit which can never be ended. So the only thing that cannot be ended in you is the presence of Jesus. This eternal spirit who is without beginning and without ending is the very principle and the very reality of the resurrection. You see, anything else that is put to death is ended. Only the eternal spirit cannot be held or terminated by death. And this is why after the resurrection, Christ as resurrection came to his disciples and breathed on them, telling them to receive his breath as the eternal spirit, that spirit of separation. You see, this very eternal spirit as the principle and the reality of the power of resurrection came into the disciples and this principle and this reality are now alive in each of us. Let me give you just two more verses that will kind of help you to better understand what I'm talking about. In Philippians the first chapter in the 19th verse, the Apostle Paul speaks of the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So it seems that he was saying, I am in prison, but I am not afraid because within me there is the principle and the reality of resurrection. What is this resurrection within me? It is the Spirit of Jesus Christ with the bountiful all-inclusive, all-sufficient supply. Then in Philippians, the third chapter and the 10th verse, he says this, to know him and the power of his resurrection. What is the power of his resurrection? It is the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, that bountiful, all-inclusive, all-sufficient supply, never-ending supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ in us is the power of his resurrection. And this power and this supply are nothing less than the eternal spirit, which is the spirit of separation. Yet this spirit is within us today. Is this not enough? What more could we ever want? We should say hallelujah, thank you. We have to thank him for his cross. We have to praise him for his spirit. His cross has ended everything negative. And now his eternal spirit is indwelling us as the power of resurrection. You ought to put in the comments, the resurrection is in me. You see, people keep looking for the resurrection that's to come. When the mortal will put on immortality. When the corruption will become incorruption. And we'll be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We keep looking for that and we miss the fact that today the power of resurrection is already working in me. Let me close this sermon out today with a quick recap of where we've been. We can never 
have a real experience of the cross unless we are in the eternal spirit, that spirit of separation. No matter how much we know it and how much we talk about it, if we are not in the eternal spirit, we can never experience the power of the cross. The more we live and walk in the eternal spirit of separation, the more we will realize the killing power of the cross. There's no further need to reckon ourselves dead. This is to commit spiritual suicide. And many Christians try to commit spiritual suicide daily, yet praise the Lord, they can never succeed. If we just live and walk in the spirit, the all-inclusive dose of the triunity of God that is alive within us, we will experience the killing power of the cross. And since the principle and the reality of both his resurrection and his death are the eternal spirit, that spirit of separation, then the resurrection also includes the effectiveness of his death. In the eternal spirit of the resurrection, there is the killing factor, the killing power of the cross. But there is also the eternal factor. So again, I say this, praise the Lord. As long as we are in the all-inclusive spirit, the experience of the cross is ours. And the reality of the resurrection is alive within us. There's no need to do anything but take it by living faith. If we see this, we will say hallelujah, praise the Lord. We have within us the living faith. We take it, we claim it by the power of faith. Then the principles of the cross and the reality of the resurrection will become real to us in the indwelling spirit. We already have him within us. There's no need for us to ask anymore. We only need to take him and experience him and enjoy him. Then we will experience real spiritual growth in life. I can assure you of this. This is a vision which we need to see and take by faith. God has called us to be separate. We have to be separate. You know that the power of resurrection is alive and working in you when someone looks at you and does not see the visage of the old creation. But what they see in you is the presence of the new creation that is born in Christ Jesus. You see, we can't take the world, that world system, and put it on ourselves and then dress it up like it's Jesus, dance over it, shout over it, put some Jesus words on top of it, because that does not make it Jesus. God has called us to be separate. We don't do things like the world. We don't see things like the world. We don't feel things 
like the world. We don't experience things like the world. We don't mourn like the world. We don't have joy like the world. We don't celebrate like the world. We do absolutely nothing like the world because the world and its system has been brought to an end through the power of Jesus Christ on the cross and the power of his resurrection has brought us to be separate into something new, into something different. We are different. We see different. We breathe different. We live different. We think different. We are simply different. And when nobody can tell the difference in you from the world, that's a telltale sign that you are not living in the power of resurrection. When you have to do things like the world and just put Jesus on top of it, that is telling you you are not living in the power of resurrection. Think about this. The power of resurrection brings into you new things because old things have been brought to an end. God bless you. Have an amazing week in the Lord. Open yourself to be used by him greatly. Celebrate the God that is in you and allow yourself to cease to express by image the things of the world and with a joyful heart declare, I am separate for all the old things in me have been brought to an end in Jesus and I am now alive in the power of the new creation born after the resurrection that is alive and working in me right now. Know that we're praying for you. We love you and we're here for you. God bless you.